<laughs> regardless, it's, it's good, and uh, I think we're all set for a pretty good football game tonight. Excellent. John Oliver in with us. You, um, forgot, you forgot his middle name. What's that? S.S. John, John seldom seen Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I, I've made an appearance. So uh, what's what's left of me is here, and what you're smelling is shame and regret. <laughs> and pumpkin. Alex Scott is with us. Alec, how are you? Personally fine. I am in sports morning. Um, was a tough weekend over at my house, but... We'll see how this new Yeah, that goes. great sucking sound you're hearing right now is coming out of St. Louis. <sighs> yeah, Josh Roberts, how are you? I'm great. Is that because Liverpool lost to Arsenal? Is that why you're sad? Exactly. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. No, yeah. but what we're going to shame Alec into saying is, obviously you're a Cardinals fan. To whom did they lose? Philadelphia. Back. Thank you for it. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Ned's home turf. Ooh. Well, really, it was it was such an unusual series, and I'm not sure that the better team won the thing. Philadelphia didn't hit the ball. They got some awfully lucky breaks in the ninth inning, and the Cardinals imploded. In all honesty, that's exactly what happened to them, and then left it on the field the next night. But. We're not talking baseball, we're talking football. Let's talk football, and let's talk about last week's game. We uh, said the week before when they played Indianapolis, as we went into that game, we said this could possibly be a trap game, and it turns out that it was. Last week would be a statement game. Your thoughts? I, th- I don't think there's any question about it. The, uh, the Chiefs came out and played at the top of their game. They knew, interestingly enough, when you're playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, If you get ahead of them, they have to chase you, obviously. And that's what they did. They chased the Chiefs. That's what the Chiefs wanted to do, chase them, because you're not going to catch them. That's the secret, getting ahead of this team. Now, if Kansas City has to play catch-up, well, you're going to have to continue to maintain a margin, obviously, because they are going to score. Well, against Tampa Bay, they were more than ready. They, Even though... though, Brady completed a was 39 of 52 or something like that. Their running game was invisible. Mm-hmm. And as a result, you saw a situation that developed into a Kansas City victory and a, a very definitive statement. The 41-31, that game was not that close. Kansas City had it all the way. Tonight's game has the, has the possibility, the potential of being a little bit different, but I do think Kansas City is by far the better individual of the teams. I want to talk to you about that a little bit, but first let's let's talk about last week's game, and specifically I want to talk about Tom Brady sure. a little bit because, you know, the guy doesn't get enough press, so I thought that we'd <laughs> talk about him a little more. He's thrown over 100 passes the last two weeks. Can a football team sustain itself with that sort of offense? I mean, Kurt Warner didn't throw that many passes. I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Well, that's how they're based. That's what they have to do. Tampa Bay has to do that. Their running game is very mediocre at the best. And I'm not sure their offensive line is good enough to create any kind of significant consistency with their running game. So obviously they don't have one. But they do have Brady, and Brady has a pair of very good receivers when they're healthy. And that's what they're going to count on. That's what Tampa Bay will uh, morph their game towards and try to engineer what they can with really, in all honesty, limited resources. There was a quarterback on the other side of the field that night, a guy by the name of Patrick Mahomes. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure if anybody in the room's heard about him. But I think if you watch that game, anybody that doesn't think that he's the best quarterback in the NFL 
is crazy. Oh yeah, he he put, he put he put on a clinic and he put on a show while he was putting on the clinic. I don't know how many insane passes he made in that game. The only bothersome factor about that is how long can he continue to do that? He's being flushed out of the pocket. He's running laterally. Someday somebody's going to catch him in one of those full motion passes that he makes and really inflict some serious harm on him. I just I I don't want to be a preacher of doom, but that can happen. The underhand pass that you're talking about, thing of beauty, and as uh, Collinsworth said, what is this a Sandlot game? That's what you're doing. <laughs> well, yeah. that's it's what it is. The kid can play that kind of wide open at Texas Tech under Kingsbury. That's what he was allowed to do. So it is in his background playing football of that caliber. But that's dangerous football. Uh, my favorite play and and the one that probably took my breath away during the game was when he ran right up to the goal line, had yeah. one foot. <laughs> Over the line of scrimmage, one foot behind the line of scrimmage, and then just dunked one over the defense to a waiting wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Most guys would have either gone out of bounds or tried to pile their way into the end zone. He's better than Josh Allen. Let's just end this conversation right, right. now. He's better than Josh Allen. He's better than Lamar Jackson. He's better than anybody out there. He's the best quarterback in the NFL. He's the heart and soul of that team, no question about it. John, you've had some uh, trials and tribulations. <laughs> I think the three wise men didn't have as difficult journey. No, as, no. As, as, as I'd, you've I'd had rather lately. be a Magi, yes. So um, did you get a chance to watch the game, first of all? I did, I did. I watched uh, both two weeks ago and last week. So I'll start with the positives that I see. Uh, Nick Bolton last year was not a fluke. This is a bona fide guy you can build a defensive around. He is leading the defense. He is absolutely one of the best tacklers in the NFL. Can't say enough good things about him. Uh, As far as Pacheco goes, really, really good-looking backup. Can catch the ball, really does a good job. Edwards Hilaire looks pretty good this year. Yeah. You know, a lot better than the other years. He hasn't had the injury bug, and he looks like the guy we were promised two years ago. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned Mahomes, so all those are positives. Schuster, Smith-Schuster, and Valdez-Scantling. Good receivers. Yeah. Mahomes is using them well. Kelsey having his normal season. Let's talk about the elephant in the room because I'm tired of ignoring it. McCole Hardman has had an abysmal season. Two weeks, two catches, total of six yards. Either something needs to happen to see what they've got with him or it is time to cut bait. It's time to put him on the practice squad because I honestly think there are receivers on the practice squad that could do better. I think he has all the talent in the world. It's got to be something upstairs at this point. So I think time is up on him. I mentioned it before the season started that this was his make-or-break year. He has not at all carried what he needs to. Interesting interesting take. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Alec? About Hardman or them on the whole? On the whole. Come on. Let's, well, let's, let's, <laughs> just, just get it off your chest right well, now, man. I think you could just, when you watch that game, you could tell that it, it meant more to Kansas City right off right out the gate. Their last business trip to Tampa Bay did not go their way, and they wanted to come back and get that taste out of their mouth. I When I watch Kansas City, and I don't mean this in a negative way, I think they front run better than anybody in the NFL right now. If they can get out to that early lead, all of a sudden they're laughing, they're smiling, they're having fun. It reminds me of watching a Golden State game yes. where Steph Curry won't stop hitting threes from half court. They They can do no wrong when they get into that mode, and that's the mode they got in that night. And the only thing that can stop them when they get to that is a coin toss, like we saw in the playoffs last year. So... When they bring that energy, there's no doubt they're the best in the NFL. 
Josh, what's your thoughts? Well, I was impressed with the fact that they actually did run the ball and they ran it effectively. I mean, we've been saying for a long time that the pass set or the pass is set up by the run, and if you have an effective run game, it's going to open up that whole passing game that they do excel at. Uh, I'm not so worried about McCole Hardman because Mahomes is spreading the ball out to everyone. I think at one point in the first half of that game, he had thrown to eight or nine different receivers already, which is great because that means that all these guys are getting open. These guys are running the routes. They're doing what they need to do, and they're making the plays they need to make. If one of them is not having a great season so far, who cares? I mean, they're winning. They scored 41 points. The defense impressed me in this game. The defense played well. The defense is kind of gelling. I think uh, you're right. Bolton is, is doing great. I think Karloftis is off to a great start, especially for a rookie. I saw in that game everything that I've wanted to see with the Chiefs so far. And so I have nothing really negative to say about it. They dominated from the beginning. They got pressure, enough pressure to on Tom Brady that it disrupted their game. And like Ned was saying, I, Tampa Bay has no running game. So these guys could pin their ears back and just try to get pressure on the quarterback, which is what it, it, it worked. They ran for six yards in that game. That's insane. Total of six. Yeah, I think yeah. Ron Jones only six is more than me. <laughs> I think Ronald Jones is available if they need a running back. They well, get him he, back. Where is he? Is he he's fourth. Agent? He's no. He's still. Uh, he's still on the Chiefs roster. Right? Oh, is he that's dressing for them. Good gracious. He's, well, yeah, your point is well taken. But what Alex said is is exactly what the Chiefs want to do. Yeah. Their their initial tact in this game is go out and kick your behind right there. Get ahead and make the other team chase them. Because when that's the case, the other team is getting in a panic mode. Oh, yeah. They're going to put the ball in the air. The Chiefs' defense is, is pretty good. I'm not going to call them great, but they are pretty good. The one thing the Chiefs have to guard against, and, and there is no way to guard against it, is the injury factor. Right. They have been blessed. I think they have, what, one guy, Butker, who's out tonight, and the three others who are questionable. Well, they're, they'll more than likely be in there. But, again, they haven't been hit with that kind of a deficiency. Other teams have. Chiefs can count their good fortune that they're there, but they're they're a good team. There's no getting around it, and they are better than the Raiders by a long shot. You're listening to Ned Talk, your local live sports talk show. We turn it over to the Chiefs talk show in about 50 minutes. Let me give you guys a name for the defensive MVP so far this year, and I've not heard his name mentioned. It's Legereus Sneed. He has played impactful football. Mm -hmm. And usually when we've talked about Legereus Sneed in the past, it's, oh, blown coverage. But this year, they put him out on an island. They let him come on blitzes, and it has been very effective. I think he has learned from Matthew. He's learned some of the some of the techniques that go into being a D-back, and, and it is. It's a very valuable position on the football team. doesn't get quite the publicity that should. But Sneed has picked up on his game very well and is, in fact, probably doing the captaining, if you can use it in that term, of the defensive backfield right now in Matthew's absence and his absence from the team forever, I guess. But the fact of the matter remains that the Chiefs can and are able to put the whole scheme of things together, and they're doing it in such a way as I can't see them losing another game. And they are playing without possibly their best linebacker, Willie Gay. Well, and he is. I think this is the last game that he's out. I think he's got one more. I think he's got a one more after this one. Yep, one more. After the this Buffalo one. Bills game. Mm -hmm. He is out the Buffalo game. 
He, so, he is for that one? Yeah, because um, there was such a big deal being made that the, the suspension happened to fall down late enough in the year so that, of yeah. course, he misses the Buffalo game. Okay. Let's talk about this game that's coming up tonight. We talked about this two weeks ago, and, and I'd love to hear from all three of you because you weren't on last week when we uh, were talking about, oh, my God, the Chiefs. How terrible they looked against a ter- – Indianapolis yeah. is a terrible football team. Yes. And they yes. lost terribly. <clears throat> and we have this discussion frequently, and, and Mike said it, and I'm, I'm going to say right up front, Ned, I agree with him, is that I think the Chiefs looked ahead, and I think there's a possibility tonight could be a trap game, and the Chiefs might be looking ahead to Buffalo. I think they're probably looking ahead to it, but not in that capacity, Joe. This is – the Raiders are – the Raiders are a physical football team, they and stink, mentally though. they they dislike Kansas City as much as you can dislike any team. They'll come in. They'll be ready to play. It's just that I don't think they have the talent enough to be able to play with Kansas City, which involves a lot of scoring. Derek Carr can put the ball in the air, and their their receiving core is pretty good. But you're also up against a solid Super Bowl contending ball club. And how you react to that, and the Raiders have not. Heck, they're one and three on the year, and they've lost some some games they should not have lost. They're going to have to play at the very top of their game to even stay close. The Raiders, to me, have pieces, and but they don't have any sort of cohesion with yeah, those pieces. That's exactly it. Derek Carr is a. It, let's say it at this point. He's a serviceable quarterback. I won't yeah. say that he's a game manager. Because I don't think he's that. I think he can play some spectacular football as a quarterback. They've got a really good receiver in Devontae Adams. Okay, They have a one of the premier defensive players in the NFL, Max Crosby, on the other side of the football. They have those three pieces, but when you start to dig deeper into the team, they don't have a lot of anything else. And I think they were really overrated coming into the season. John, your opinion on that? Um. I've got a little less critical opinion of the Raiders. They've lost some bad games this year, and they have a tendency to start the year slow. I agree with you completely on Carr. You know, you can describe him as a serviceable quarterback. Is he the guy that's going to get them back to a winning record? Probably not, if I'm being completely honest. People forget about Josh Jacobs. That's one still one of the top-tier running backs in the league. And, you know, in past years, we've seen him and Darren Waller kind of team up to make the Chiefs have a really hard time. You add Devontae Adams to that mix, which to me he is the premier wide receiver in the NFL. You've got weapons, but as you mentioned, they just don't have a complete team. So my opinion on this tonight is if the Raiders play up offensively and then the Chiefs play down defensively, you could have a very close game. Now, if the Chiefs' defense comes out and does what they've been doing the last few weeks, this won't be a concern. But if it's an off week for the defense, I would not count the readers out. What do you think, Alec? Because one of the things that one of the Jekyll and Hyde things I've seen with the Chiefs so far this season is the offense. First week, great. And then the following weeks, it's not been so good. They've done enough to win the game. They've actually had to be bailed out by the defense on, on one particular game. Indianapolis, there was just no offense. Last week, they looked completely unbeatable. What do you think you're going to see tonight? Tonight, I think we see a good showing because it's under the lights, prime time. I think some of these teams just, if this game was at noon yesterday with Buffalo next week, I think there maybe would be a little more cause for concern of this trap game. But I think these guys are wired in a way when you're the only game on, you know everyone's watching, 
they're not going to come out and put out a dud unless the Raiders make it happen that way. I don't think we see the Chiefs getting in their own way too often tonight. I think the big thing defensively is going to come down to stopping the run like they have been. Derek Carr is prone to mistakes. I think they can get at least two interceptions out of him tonight if they can limit the run game. And if you give the Chiefs a positive turnover differential, it's going to be tough to keep up with them. Your thoughts, Mr. Roberts? Well, my I'll, I'll take it from this perspective. Um, I can see where people could think this could be a trap game because the Raiders are so bad and the Chiefs played so well last week and the Buffalo game's coming up next week. But this is one of the best rivalries in the NFL, and there's a lot of emotion associated with it. Like you guys were saying, they hate each other. They've hated each other for years. They also know each other because they play each other twice a year. And oftentimes, I mean, in the past, they've even ended up playing each other in the playoffs. I think it'll be a, a closer game than people think, but I think the Chiefs will have control of it the whole game unless the Raiders have some silly surprise that that knocks them off of their game plan. I, You know, I don't know. I, I don't want to give away my prediction this week, but I, I don't. I, I just don't see the Raiders winning this game. No, I just don't. I just don't see it. I I think uh, maybe the Chiefs continue to make a statement. That's what I hope too. Because they, you know, hey, we're the best team in the NFL. We've been overlooked with all the talk of Buffalo being undefeated as they go through the season. All the talk of Miami. All the talk of all these other teams in the league, and very little talk of what's happening with the Kansas City Chiefs. And last week, I think they went in just established themselves as the best team in the NFL. Your thoughts, Ned? They have to, they being the Chiefs, have to avoid injury. As they stand right now, and as good a physical condition as they are in right now, there is no better team. I think together they they can play if they stay together, and I'm sure they will. Andy Reid will make sure of that. They are virtually unbeatable. But this is the NFL, and all right, Joe, you're going to kick my behind now for saying this. These are professional <laughs> athletes. Everybody take a drink right now. The, well, maybe even two. Two yeah. drinks. <laughs> two drinks. Look, they get paid to do this. They are all guys in college football who were great stars, maybe not great All-Americans, but they can play the game. All of them can. And depending on whether or not the Raiders maybe get their mojo going tonight, they could make a solid game out of it. I don't think they will, but uh, nothing would surprise me. But I do think the Chiefs win. We'll get to the scores later. Are the Wait. Chiefs only favored by a touchdown? Seven, seven and a half. Seven and a half. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, that's not That's enough. a little surprising. That I is. think people are selling the Chiefs short this year. Yeah. And I think that's bulletin board material around Kansas City. Oh, for sure. About how they're promote, how they're approaching things, how they're looking at things as they go forward. When we come back, we'll talk uh, just some more sports. You never know what we'll come up with. <laughs> it's Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. It is your local live sports talk show. I'm Joe Weston, your host, your 
animal wrangler, if you want to call it, for <laughs> Ned Talk. We're about uh, 20, 36 minutes away from the start of the Chiefs pregame show. I want to mention to everybody, too, that we uh, we have a great engineer around here. His name's Corbin Campbell, and he has found a way to sync up our Chiefs radio broadcast with the television broadcast because television has about a 10-second delay on it. And so Corbin has worked all that out so that you can turn down the game tonight. You don't have to listen to Joe Buck. You don't have to listen to uh, Mushmelon. 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 <laughs> I mean, Troy Aikman. Tro- Troy Aikman. You don't have to listen to them tonight. You can listen to Dana Hughes and Mitch Holt as, as they do the game. So uh, listen to us tonight, 104.7 The Cave, and watch the Chiefs on TV Let's talk. Uh, let's talk about some baseball. I mentioned earlier the great sucking sound coming out of St. Louis. <laughs> Two and done, Phillies. Before you do that, before we talk about baseball, can I throw one in there real quick? Sure, throw on one the, in there. on the pregame throw show. Of course, for the last three weeks, our yeah. great colleague Art Haynes has not been there and probably is not going to be there for the rest of the season. Nobody seems to know what the what the ultimate determination in his illness is going to be, but it's. One thing it is, is very expensive. Now, he has the insurance to cover for a certain point, but there is a GoFundMe page for Art. If you go to GoFundMe dot, I think it's org, if I'm not mistaken. It's org or com, one or the other. Uh, you'll find all the directions and type in Art Haynes. You will find Haynes, incidentally, spelled H-A-I-N-S. Same way that you would spell Reigns, except that it's an H there. And Arthur, Arthur's a great guy. I worked with him with the Bears for 20 years. I've known him for a long time. Great guy, very strong, but he does need our help. Okay, the question on baseball. Yeah, let's talk about it. The uh, I, First of all, I should throw this out there as a disclaimer. Ned is a Phillies fan. He claims that he is not a fan of anything because he's a journalist, but he's a liar. He's a, <laughs> no, Philly, he's a Phillies fan. So, uh, so epic collapse for the Cardinals. I was a Phillies fan when I was a kid growing up. Of course, I grew up in Philadelphia in that area. So, of course, you're rooting for your home team. But that was also half a century ago. That's that's diminished. Oh, oh, come on. If we mention Philadelphia at all, you get so excited. His eyes light up. Oh, the eyes turn green with the number one team in the NFL. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Five in one eye and O in the other eye. (laughs) But I am going to tell you, in my opinion, what's happened here is the uh, the Cardinals did collapse. They they lost game 2 because they left it on the field after game 1. Anytime you have a 2 nothing lead and a guy named Yepes has hit a home run, the stars are aligned for you. But that was wrong. They were not. The, the Phillies didn't exactly knock the cover off the ball in the ninth inning. They got what two hits, scoring right. six runs, but there were walks, hit batters, the pitcher Helsley had a damaged digit and it was affecting his pitching. No, I I think the Cardinals let it get away from them, and, and management, I think, may have been the reason why. Why they ever took out Quintana after 75 pitches, I'll never tell you. He had Philadelphia eating out of his hands. And then to bring in a relief core like this and not play it very well, all right, things happen. Philadelphia scores six. They're only six runs of the game in the ninth with very limited offense and win at 6-3. The next night, Philadelphia gets four hits. But there is one thing that Philadelphia did have that may have been an advantage. One is Zach Wheeler, who's a tried and proven pitcher, and he was, he was more than dominant on Friday. 
The second one is Aaron Nola, All-America LSU in his college days, a guy who had 235 strikeouts this season alone. He's a flamethrower. The Cardinals are very, very much vulnerable to guys who are going to pitch at that level. Now, did they collapse? Yes, they did, and why? Okay, we talked about this during the course of the summer on our, on our summer uh, level of discussions on baseball. The Cardinals had a big advantage. They played in the National League Central Division, arguably the weakest in all of baseball. A lot of their games against the Reds, the Cubs, and the Pirates. We voiced this opinion on many, many an occasion. Cardinals finished with 93 wins. But how much of that was accomplished against lesser teams? They did not, on a regular, a regular a steady dose, face any of the good teams, the solid pitching, the Dodgers, the Padres, the Mets, Philadelphia, Atlanta. Yeah, they saw them during the course of the year, but not in a steady diet. I think that cost them. I think the Cardinals are very vulnerable to a lot of what Philadelphia had to offer, especially in pitching, and I think it ultimately collapsed. But the consistency of what St. Louis was doing, and then in the ninth inning with a great chance to put some runs on the board and you have your two big guns up there and they both strike out, that tells me that the team was very flat. That's not not a conscious circumstance, not one that's in the front of your mind that you're thinking about that, but in the back of your mind, subconsciously, hey, we're giving this away. What can we do? And may have been pressing. It may have been too much for them. Now, next year presents a different uh, theory and a different story, and I'm going to talk more about that. What, what do you think, man? All right, John, let me ask you this as we go into this. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals, did they lose to? Did they lose it or did they give it away? They gave it away. Okay. 100%. Now, I don't disagree with anything Ned said, all valid points, but I do want to add a few and a little bit of a differing opinion. Okay. So what we saw was – In a nutshell, what we've seen for at least the last four or five years from the St. Louis teams. So one thing that happens is until people, I believe the Cardinals were fourth in attendance this year. Was that correct, Nan? We saw what happened with the Oakland Athletics at the beginning of this year. Until something like that happens, what's happening isn't going to change. The Cardinals at the DeWitt level and Mosaic level are built to make the playoffs. They are not built to win in the playoffs. They do the bare minimum with the fourth highest attendance. So until people, and don't get me wrong, folks, I'm not insulting Cardinals fans because it's a great fan base. Don't worry, I will. But you need <laughs> you need to improve this team by staying at home. That's the only message you can send after this. Until the Mosaic DeWitt era is over, we're going to continue to see this. Ned and I talked a little bit off, you know, offline about this. So what the DeWitts and Mosaic have done, they've surrounded themselves with a lot of yes-men. We saw what happened to Schultz last year when he wasn't playing by the rules. This offense is one of the worst Jekyll and Hyde offenses in Major League Baseball, and that squarely sets on Jeff Albert's shoulders. Until you replace him, his style of being a hitting coach is ineffective at best. Arenado and Goldschmidt, they had fine regular seasons. They've got to do something better, too. Two for 16, horrid. 
Now, Marmol is an inexperienced manager, and I wonder, and Ned, you can disagree with me on this, some of the calls for lineups and pitchers, I don't know that he was the one that pulled the trigger on that. Number one, Helsley, you knew, was pitching with a damaged finger. Absolutely the wrong call. If we didn't learn anything from last year with Reyes, you cannot thrust a young reliever who has not had that level of pressure in his career into that situation. Gallegos was available. You had other veterans. Terrible move. Not on Palante. The damage was already done. It is all squarely on bringing Helsley in in the eighth, which is inexplicable, and then trying to let him finish the ninth. The other thing that we've seen is they just don't put out the best lineups. The outfield that started game two, Yepes, Newt Barr, and I believe it was it Dickerson. Okay. Who, who, who and who? Well, Newt here's Barr. the deal. And I understand you want Pujols in there at DH, and he's been red hot. But when you have a healthy Dylan Carlson on the bench, who is a superb center fielder, versus Yepes, who at best is an average first baseman, that is a terrible base move. So I, for one, and we hear the same rhetoric every year as Cardinal fans. Well, look, we've not had a losing record since, you know, 30 years ago. Well, you've also only gone to two World Series, or three, I should say, two, three World Series in that time. This team's not built for championships. Don't be fooled, folks. And please make a statement with your wallet and your attendance next year to make sure they know this cannot be the status quo. Alec is sitting next to you weeping. So let, let, let's get your opinion. Is it, is, it that, is it that rough? Is your opinion that rough? I'm probably not that rough. I think there's good, not great has definitely been the status quo for the Cardinals for the better part of a decade where we've had hot streaks, we've had cold streaks, but consistently we're always around. You could say it's the division. You could say it's good homegrown talent. I don't think this team will ever plummet to the doldrums of the level the Cubs typically live in. Or <laughs> <laughs> you said you were going to make fun of us. I had to get in first. Yeah, but the ultimate, shots fired. Ultimately, I don't know. I mean, rookie manager, some young talent in there. But I game one, I'm going to put I put on Marmol. I don't get a five out save. Helsley got his three guys. You know why? Why keep him in there? Why bring him in for those first two? Why keep him in there for the last two? I think that could have been handled differently. Suffice it to say, two runs is always scored that day. That's still not enough. I Ultimately, in terms of giving it away versus losing it, I I don't – game one we gave away. I think game two we just lost it. If you can't – if your pitching does well enough to score, only allow two runs to a playoff offense, help keep the Phillies in the yard with the rate that Schwarber can hit home runs and, you know, get letting Harper hit a home run, but it's a solo shot. If you hold them to two runs and you just can't scrape anything else across when your two, your two main guys, your Goldschmidt and Arenado, were brought here for this and they don't get it done. Meanwhile, your guys who are combined 100 years old and Yachty and Pujols each get hits on their last at-bats and just – and, you know, lost in all this, let's not forget, congratulations to Albert and Yachty. Thank you oh, yeah. for all the stuff you've done for us throughout your careers and the memories Barf. this year. That's what we will hang our hat on after losing. Let me explore the uh, psyche of Alec here real quickly. When you saw in the ninth inning and you had Yachty getting a base hit and you had Albert on base, 
you had a chance to get into the game, and then your two big guns coming up there, Goldschmidt and Arnato, and they both strike out. What went through your mind when that happened? Uh, honestly, it was an unfortunate, probably a situation of fool me once, twice, three times, because this has been <laughs> Goldschmidt's either third or fourth time in the playoffs with the Cardinals, and this isn't new. He's done this every year. He's had, you know, if this was, he's potentially the NL MVP. He had a great year. We can't. Don't want to discredit that. I'd rather have Paul Goldschmidt than not have Paul Goldschmidt. Oh, yeah. Gosh, yes. However, just this this is a trend. We have seen it enough times now where come October, it gets quiet. And this team is Jekyll and Hyde was well put earlier. We've got some good bats, but if Goldschmidt if we don't have at least two guys doing what they were doing, we fall apart. Now I'm going to repeat for you an article that I read the next day. This is after the uh, Phillies had scored the Six runs in the ninth inning. And it was written by a guy who I absolutely admire. I think he's one of the best baseball writers, best sports writers in the country, Bob Nightingale. He said, this loss. He said, now they may come back to win Saturday and Sunday, but this loss by the Cardinals is going to haunt them for a number of years. They're going to remember this, remember what happened. It is in the playoffs. And the fact that it happened now and in such a disappointing way that has a deep psychological effect. Put it with you. I mean, yes. And, you know, you look at some – think about how, how – has that, have the Atlanta Falcons ever recovered from that 28-3 Super Bowl? This isn't on that level of collapse. But, I mean, that that 2 nothing, one out in the ninth, back-breaking. You could, they just didn't have a shot on Saturday. Josh, real quickly. You know what it reminds me of? What? The I-70 series. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm not. Anyone but the Cardinals. That's my philosophy. Well, you know, when Alec and I talked about this morning, I said inexperienced all the way around. You got two, your two big bats are inexperienced. They have not played at that level of baseball in most of their career. So that that hurts. That really does hurt because playoff baseball is completely different than regular season baseball. Every pitcher you see at that point is lights out, and it shows with our offense. Now I'm going to bring up another factor for you all to consider, and that is next year, the 2023 season, when it gets underway, every team is going to play every other team. Right. Cardinals will face all 29 of the other teams. They are going to get a steady dose of different pitching, of different levels of baseball, and different approaches to the game. They are going to have a greatly reduced number of games in their division. Does this make a difference with them? I think it does. I predict you may see a team next year make the playoffs with a less than 500 record. Spicy take. When we come back, we'll talk about something else. It's Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. (laughs) You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. About 15 minutes away from the start of the Chiefs pregame show right here on 104.7 The Cave. Your home for the AFC West leading Kansas City Chiefs, Chiefs and Raiders tonight right here, Monday Night Football. You can listen to all of it. You can watch the game and turn up the radio. Let's talk about <laughs> our other um, our other team that we talk about a lot who is also making a great sucking sound, and that is the Missouri State Bears. Boy, 
This one, this one is really tough to understand because, guys, even having lost three in a row in the conference and four in a row altogether, they still have some talent on that football team. It is not diminished. They have very, very good athletes out there playing. They don't impress me as being together, and I'm sure the coaching staff, well, you don't know what you're talking about, but they aren't. You don't have a 14 to nothing lead in a game against a Southern Illinois. SIU's good. Southern Illinois had the four, uh, trail 14 nothing in the first half, and by halftime, they're up 17 to 14. Some interesting plays in that game. Number one, here is Southern Illinois punting on a fourth down and two from their own 46, and the Bears run into the punter. Oof. This is a big mistake that Mental should not mistake. happen. Southern Illinois gets the ball again. Now, they didn't capitalize on that. They got into Bears territory, but they forced the Bears back. All right, Missouri State gets a similar situation, fourth and two at their own 46, and they go for it. What on earth? They go for it on a pass play. It's a rollout, and pass is completed out of bounds, and turn it over to SIU, and here they are. The Salukis coming right down and scoring and eventually outscoring Missouri State 38 to nothing. Now, why is this happening? I wish I knew. The Bears defense, which started out well in the game on Saturday, just melted. And it wasn't a hot day. There's no reason why that should have been the case physically. It looked to me like Southern Illinois made some adjustments in their game and Missouri State could not respond to it. That was the impression that I got watching the game from down on the field. But I do know that disappointment is reigning over there right now. Whether or not they played their way out of the playoffs or lost their way out of the playoffs, three losses is very, very, very tenuous to say the least. And another one, and they still have five games to go. Boy, I'll tell you, that's, this is, and this is a team that was thought to be primed for maybe a run at a national championship. What do you think, John? Um... This is just my opinion, Ned. I think it's hangover from the Arkansas game, if I'm being completely serious. The emotions were so high in that. And you can't tell me that almost to a soul on the Missouri State sidelines, everyone thought, we are going to win this. And then Arkansas came back, and I think they're still on that hangover. Whether or not they turn that around is a whole different story. But I look at that game, and I think that's where the emotional toil happened whose phone keeps going off not my phone not my phone what do you think alec are you are you a missouri state alumni by the way i am not no i guess i took some dual enrollment in high school so i had an id that didn't have a photo on it that uh i was able to flash <laughs> on occasion like oh i'm a student that's okay. me so you got two dollars off at the movie theater yeah thank nice. you missouri state <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll be honest, I I'm haven't avidly followed them that closely, but I know they, they went in with a reputation of being a team that could make some noise here. But if a team's not playing well together, you can have all the talent in the world and it's not gonna matter. It's this is in my opinion, the ultimate team sport. The eleven of you go out together and if even one of you miscues or doesn't do something right, you can mess up all other ten who are playing perfectly. So I don't know if it's a matter of you know, cohesion, if it's a matter of just balls not bouncing your way, or if it's just Arkansas hangover, which maybe is a phrase someone else has used somewhere else. <laughs> but Missouri <laughs> State. It's a country. <laughs> Since it seems like Missouri State's just got a hole they need to find a way to dig themselves out of. What do you think, Josh? Here's what I don't like. 
Uh, I can understand one game, the next game, them not playing well because they were so disappointed that they lost to Arkansas. But we're talking about four games later. That's on the coaching staff, in my opinion. They are not mentally preparing these guys to get over it, if that truly is the case. Because, come on, you've got the talent. You've played really well. You know what you're capable of. You almost beat Arkansas, who was ranked sixth in the nation at the time. So get over it and play the football you can play because they're good. They're just not playing good. And if it's all psychology, then they're done. They need a couch if that's the case for the psychiatrist. Right, right. <laughs> but, <laughs> Big but couch. I think you make a, a very good point. That's, that's a cogent point about leaving the game on the field. You can do that in football, and you can do it in other sports. I think the Cardinals lost on Saturday because they left it on the field Friday night and could not recover. But now you have a week to do that. Yeah, yeah, it's a big disappointment to come close to knocking off a big timer and then losing the game. It has happened to other teams. Case in point is the nine-time national champs at North Dakota State. They played Arizona from the Pac-12. Had Arizona down, flattened out. But like what happens to many 1AA teams, they ran out of gas down the stretch mm-hmm. and lost it on a field goal, 31-28. But they didn't leave it on the field. They haven't lost since. Right. And that's the good team right there. If that is the problem with Missouri State, then you're absolutely right. They need to go out in the woodshed and get their behind paddled a little bit and say, hey, grow up a little bit, if that's the case. But it appears to be, to me, to be a bit more than that because the team doesn't play well defensively. They're, getting, they're, they're just getting picked apart by quarterbacks who are good but not great. And as a result – Uh, you're seeing big scores pile up. That's why I think these other teams are making adjustments. They're making defensive backfield Mm -hmm. adjustments. They're changing their offense a little bit to meet the Bears on on D, on what they're doing on D, and Missouri State's not responding to it. When we come back, we'll have our picks, and we'll get you set for the pregame show right here on 104.7 The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk. On 104.7, The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7, The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. We are not too far away from the start of the game, the Chiefs and the Raiders. Right here on 104.7 The Cave, Monday Night Football. Let's go around the room and let's do our picks. Ned Reynolds. Well, it was pointed out by Alec that this is a Monday night game. They're turning on the lights. All the cameras are there. Only game in town. This is where Kansas City shines. First of all, they are a better team, man for man, than the Las Vegas Raiders. How much better remains to be seen, but I think it's substantial. I think Kansas City gets ahead in this game, makes the Raiders chase them, Bad deal for Las Vegas. I think Kansas City wins 37 to maybe 37 to 20. 37 to 20. All right. What about you, John Oliver? It's no fun if no one makes it interesting. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick the Chiefs, but I'm picking 35 to 32. You got money on this in Vegas or something? (laughs) Not that Ray, you know of. I'll, I will say this. John is a Raiders believer. He's He has always come in since we've started doing the show. He's come in and said the Raiders are going to be better this year. Just watch it. Just watch it. And it's and never happened. It's never happened. It's no, it's not happened. What do you think, Alec? 
Since real sports have been bad, I'm going to manifest some fantasy success. So Chiefs 2, <laughs> Raiders 0, no yards. The final snap is a punt that goes over the Raiders' head for a Chiefs win. But in reality, um, I, I think it's really hard to stack together two performances in a row like the Chief, like the one the Chiefs had last week, but I don't think that's needed tonight. I do um, want to know how many how many runners did the Chiefs get on base and leave them stranded? Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> you know, 12, 12, at least 12. But I, I think – I think the Raiders are going to, you know, this is a best put forward kind of game for them. So I think they keep it closer than people want to believe. But ultimately, Casey's just too much. I'm going to go Kansas City 31 to 27. Well, that's another close score. What about you, Josh? I think the Chiefs will come out just like they did last week and dominate this game, and it will be 44 to 20. Mm hmm. I, I disagree with you, uh, and I think I'm going to stick closer to John and, and uh, Alec here because I what you saw last week was the Chiefs basically saying, this is us with the foot mashed down on the accelerator the entire game. Yep. They were going to score every opportunity they got except that last series when they were like, okay, well, we'll Tommy Townsend needs a little workout, so let's bring him out here to punt. I think they'll keep the Raiders at arm's length most of the night. so And I don't think that they will keep their foot on the gas all night long. I think that, uh, you know, Coach Reed will be drawing mustaches on the sidelines at some point. <laughs> and so I'm going I'm to go 24-17. Please, no injuries. Watch out. That's where the Chiefs have been so uh, lucky with the stars aligned, right? They have not had anything serious. Please don't let that happen. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Ned Reynolds. Thank you, John Oliver. Thank you, Alex Scott. Thank you, Josh Roberts. Thanks to Corbin Campbell, Mike the Intern, of course, Brian Tindall, and our own Nick Fury. You guys, enjoy the game. It starts in just a few minutes. Listen to Ned talk right here on 104.7 The Cave. If you're tuning in and you think, darn it, I missed out, you can always download it as a podcast. Remember to sync up that game on your television. You can listen to us. You can listen to, not us, but Dana Hughes and Mitch Holtis do the game tonight and turn down Troy Aikman and Joe Buck. We've all wanted to do that. Now tonight is your opportunity to do that. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the game.